Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a problem. It builds a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to a mini Witty episode of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated Buffalo sports podcast covering the Bill Savers Entertainment and everything in between, and is always part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter at Woody Sports 716 Make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. Best Bills content out there at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, are you ready to mini it up? Witty Nation. Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, Bills, Bills. Bills, Bills, Bills. Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, Bills, Bills. Bills, Bills, Bills. Oh, yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm really ready. Are you okay? Do you have a stroke? What it's a mini parody for the mini episode. Scatman. Oh, Scatman. <laughs> it's one of those songs I feel like you like only can listen to once. And then after that, after that the oh novelty kind of wears off. Could not disagree more. <laughs> Could only listen to it once an hour, maybe. Power hour for the Scatman. Every uh, minute of Scatman. <laughs> it's just a new scat every minute. <laughs> yeah, it's a new scat. There's enough scats in Scatman. The Scatman makes yeah. his appearance. Listeners, go listen to Scatman if you haven't. It's a really good song. I'll, I'll give it that. It just it, It's novelty worse than quickly for me. Sue me. Sorry. Tony, this episode, though, we'll be talking not about a Scatman, but a draft man in Brandon Bean. We had the draft last week. Hopefully, listeners, you listen to our live draft reactions where we came up with some tier nicknames like judge dreads for dorian williams which i if the he wolf didn't exist tony that would have been my favorite nickname we've made up ever like judge dreads it's very good but go listen to that episode listeners if you haven't yet uh check it out we went a little long last week or more than we typically do so this week we're a little burnt out so we figured we'll just do a mini episode for you and because we're still in that draft mode we thought for this episode we just keep it simple, straightforward. Let's look at Brandon Bean's tenure of past drafts, not including 2023, because we discussed that, obviously, but past drafts since he's become GM of the Buffalo Bills, and we'll grade them out, see where we're at, how many ever years later now, and how we feel about these draft drafts presently. So, Tony, I figured we'll go through the draft. We will give our grades and then maybe pick our favorite draft pick of that class and our least favorite draft pick of that class. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds good. <laughs> like you have a choice. You're on this podcast. I I, I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> I got nothing else to do. Uh, Brandon Bean has been the Buffalo GM since 2017. Does not seem that long. Now, this is where it gets controversial. So are we counting the 2017 draft in the sense that on draft night was a Carolina Panther. However, on a level of conspiracy, we believe that the draft he was collaborating in 
on the Bills draft via yeah. text with Shadow Sean McDermott. GM. Yes, he was well, well, what yeah, do you Shadow think? GMing. What do you think? Should we include 2017? I think we should include 2017. They do too. Okay, then we're on the same page. When you look at some of the players that have stuck from 2017, I feel like we say those guys are Brandon Bean guys. They're not fair previous regime guys to me. So I think we do count 2017. Yeah, I think he was shadow GM, but it does not seem like he's been GM that long, and he has gotten this from a holistic standpoint. Gotten this organization. From from the doldrums of the NFL, the bottom of the bottom, playoff drought for what was it, 17, 18 years, whatever it lasted, to now a perennial Super Bowl favorite, playoff appearing organization. Like now we're consistently good. And that's been Brandon Bean's message throughout the offseason this season. And he's resonated in past offseasons as well, is he doesn't want to just throw all the eggs in the bucket and hopes that that one shot at the Super Bowl they take advantage of and they are fortunate enough to win it that one year and then just have to restart. He wants this organization and this team to be consistently good and this fan base to have a consistently good team to watch year after year after year. And he's done a masterful job of doing that, I think, since he started, whether it was in the beginning, taking on all those dead cap money to, to build this team and taking on some of the bad players and having a down year and Josh Allen's rookie year, obviously, uh, in those hard hardships and heartaches, we went through that year in terms of watching maybe a poorer product to what it is now is night and day. So Brandon Bean has done an amazing job. If we were just give Brandon Bean a grade, I would say a solid A minus at its lowest. So Tony, what are your thoughts before we get into our, the year after year drafts of Brandon Bean's job during his tenure as a Buffalo Bills GM here has been awarded executive of the year and is well deserving. He's an excellent GM. We are lucky to have him. You're very top lucky notch. To have him. Top, top notch reviews, top notch guy, real He's a top notch guy. salt of the earth kind of guy. Speaking of like non-football related things, like Brandon Bean does really just seem like a, a down to earth guy. <laughs> like he's in the, the Bills Christmas videos dressing up like he's on in the movie Christmas Vacation. And whenever we see like contract extensions and signings and just seems like the players interact with him as if he's not a GM. He's just a, a guy, a friend uh, and an everyday normal like you and I. Brandon Bean would be the dream next door neighbor, I think. Oh, yeah. Yes, easily. As, he would yes. be a guy. As he, far as he'd be a, the neighbor who would cut your lawn for you. When you're away, if you need it, yeah, if you needed him to, you know, it's not just his sidewalk that's getting snow blown, not on his watch. No, no, not on his watch. That's no, right. Not on his um, watch at all. He is supportive, so Brand- but understanding of himself. Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to put it. So he's done a wonderful job of getting this organization to be, like I said, perennial contender year after year to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. And a lot of that has to do with how he has drafted, building this roster through the draft, uh, as we'll go through here. So, Tony, let's start off with 2017. Shadow GM year. Here is the draft class of 2017. Round one, Tredavious White. Round two, Zay Jones. Also round two, Deion Dawkins. And then no picks till round five, where he picked a little-known linebacker named Matt Milano. Followed up in round five with the second pick in round five, Nathan Peterman, all-time great. And finally, sixth round pick Tanner Vallejo. 
Uh, Tony, looking at that draft class six years later now, what would what grade would you give the 2017 Buffalo Bills draft class? See, this is tough because I, obviously I don't know what the criteria is. We're both operating on our own criteria of like what is like what is a B plus, what is an A, right? I am between B plus and A minus. I think this is a very good draft. I look at this draft as highly successful. I mean, you got six picks and they're all still in the league. So even that is that like, that is remarkable really, as far as drafting goes, there are no, there's no XFLers happening here. Um, And four of six are bona fide starters on what on their respective teams where they are now. And then Nathan Nathan Peterman Peterman. was (laughs) never designed to be a starter except for one, four day stretch when we were led to believe that he was going to start. And then the world came crashing down around us. Uh, so like that barely counts. And then, you know, Tanner really was a six round pick for granted. They, they sold it so well. They made a hype video about Nathan Peterman. Yeah. It's still it was, hilarious to this day. It was wild. It was, it was time. wild is right. To any five year olds listening or listening in posterity, you would not believe what this country was before you were born, right before you were born. <laughs> Hype videos about Nathan Peterman. I mean, when you look at the the history of the country itself, it, that's the pivot point, I think, of where it tur- took its downturn. <laughs> 2017 hype video of Nathan Peterman. Everything before that was I mean, gravy. It was great. This country was running on, firing on all cylinders. And then hype video of Nathan Peterman, and it all goes downhill from there. That sounds right. I mean, you could say it's wrong. It sounds like a joke, but really, the timeline matches up. It really it does. All... It- it really, it really, really does. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm no, not joking. I know you. I know you're not joking. I know. All <laughs> of 2017, like August 2017. Yeah. yeah. When you look at this draft class, still to this day, six years later, you have three core pieces of the success of this football team. You got Tre'Davious White, a Pro Bowl cornerback. You have Deion Dawkins, a Pro Bowl left tackle. Which is, I mean, aside from quarterback. A solid left tackle might be the hardest position to fill on an NFL roster. So Mm -hmm. to find one so early in his tenure in Deion Dawkins and for Deion Dawkins to buck the trend of or what would become a trend was and still is probably a trend of Bills picking offensive linemen in the second round and having it blow up in their faces. Uh, Deion Dawkins was not the case. Uh, Is he amazing is he the best left tackle in the league no um some might say he's overhyped but to this day six years later he is a very very good starting left tackle in this league um and when you pair him with eventually a a franchise quarterback little did we know in 2017 what we would stumble upon in terms of a franchise quarterback but um to have your starting cornerback your starting left tackle and then to hit a Diamond in the rough, fifth round pick in Matt Milano to be an all pro linebacker for you six years later is is amazing. I mean, I don't need to say it, but most fifth round picks don't even see an NFL roster after final cuts for Matt Milano to not only make the team, but to six years later, become an all all pro linebacker and a maybe the main cog in this defense and the main reason for this defense's success throughout the years is an amazing find by Brandon Bean. So, uh, yeah, I would give this one, I'd give this one a solid A minus for his first shadow GM 
draft class. I, I think this is a really good draft class. And we've come to see Zay Jones has actually turned into a really good player for the Raiders after the Bills and now the Jaguars. And I, quite frankly, always like Zay. Like, I never had a problem with Zay. I didn't think he was bad at all yet. Did he have some drops in impromptu moments or crucial moments? Yes. But he was really good. And and he could easily be a fourth receiver on this team to this day. And I'd be super pumped about it because I, I think he's a solid player. So, uh, like you said, all these players are still in the league. Even Nathan Peterman, somehow, he's a cat who has nine <laughs> lives. And he's on life six right now, I think. I don't know what blackmail that guy has on every coach of the league. No coach has ever said Nate Peterman's a good player, but he's still in the league. So, the fact that you have six picks and six are still in the league is is a testament to Brandon Bean's draft prowess. And I, I'd give this a solid A minus. You know, we're ballpark buddies in this grading. Now, who would you say is the best pick in this draft? And I, I think we can agree on who's the worst pretty easily. <laughs> Nathan Peterman. Um, yeah. Or maybe you have a different opinion. But who do you think is the best pick in the 2017 Bills draft class? Okay, so we're saying the best pick. So it's not necessarily the best player, but it's. I'm taking this as it's the best player versus value. Yes, exactly. That's so, how I'm taking it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I think there's a definitive choice, and I think it's Matt Milano. Yes, I agree. Matt Milano has been incredible, still is incredible. And again, to find him in the fifth round has been uh, that diamond in the rough. Tom Brady in the seventh round, every team is looking for to find that mm-hmm. late round Pro Bowl, all pro caliber player uh, that has slip down other teams draft boards and you stumble upon just and, and you get something there and, and Matt Milano is is that guy for us so the Matt Milano definitely definitely I think the best pick in this draft and Nate Peterman obviously the worst so good start to the shadow GM reign of Brandon Bean and the following year he'll become real GM and this is the year they made the playoffs with Tyrod leading them and and Nate Peterman leading them for one game against the Chargers in glorious fashion. But uh, <laughs> for this team in being in McDermott's first year to make the playoffs, break the drought, and have these new core guys for Davis White, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, just have that taste of playoffs and what it takes to get there and what it takes to be successful. I think that played a big impact on the continued success of the team to have that success early and to see what could become of this team in this roster construction and put the faith in the GM and the coaching staff. I think getting into the playoffs that first year was huge. So any other thoughts about the 2017 draft before we move on to 2018, Tony? No, I I never considered that point about having made the playoffs that year and setting the mindset precedent for those players of like, you're in a championship spot, you're on a championship team. So let's be champions. I love it. That was probably that's probably a factor for them. I thought so yeah. at the time. I thought it was that was good. I mean, despite having Nate Peterman almost ruin the season and and Calvin Benjamin just eating Popeyes every day, we still made the playoffs. So I think you, you look at those faults and going through the hardships and seeing some players who are earning their keep on a young team and a team that has nothing to lose and is consistently underdogs. I, I think all that kind of went into the trust the process moniker and the mentality that being a McDermott tried to establish from day one. So first round, first year as a shadow GM really knocked it out of the park. I thought he did an awesome job moving on to 2018. Of course, this is the year 
that everything changed for this organization with their first pick in the first round, Joshua Patrick Allen from Wyoming, the face of the franchise, J-17, the chosen one, he who remains, whatever you want to nickname him, Josh Allen was drafted to be the face of the franchise. Also in the first round, Brandon Bean trades up for Tremaine Edmonds. In the third round, takes Harrison Phillips. Fourth, Taron Johnson. Fifth round, Saran Neal and Wyatt Teller. Sixth round, Ray Ray McLeod. And seventh round, Austin Prohl. Tony, what is your grade for the 2018 Bills draft class? I'm ge- I'm I'm going to round it up to an A. Yeah, I and I, I say agree. rounding it up because I'm like it's not an A minus, but it's not perfect. And like to me, an A is perfection, but it's not an A minus. So I'm going to be like it's like an A, you know, plus minus. Is it an, an A, a plus? You know, it's like somewhere between so perfection. A plus. You not about any A what pluses is, to your students. No, what is it? A plus is not a grade in academia. A is four point oh. <laughs> a plus. Oh, those kids in your class just begging for the plus. They're gonna do letter grades. Come Never on. going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, an A. It's an A. It's a four point It's a four point I is. think we I have... agree. I I mean I agree. You find your franchise quarterback, it has to be an A. No matter who else gets drafted in this draft class, oh, see, you I, found not even close the most important logic. position. No, what is your logic? No. So, well, I mean, if you're drafting a quarterback in the top 10 or even in the first round, you're betting on them to be your franchise quarterback. Like that's the definition of hit or miss in that. It's just that there's a lot more at stake about it, but you got, you look at like, if it's hit or miss, then you do it. So we hit on Josh Allen, obviously, but if I'm looking at this draft holistically, Tremaine Edmonds, controversial figure in Buffalo, but seen in the holistic of the league, I think that we've found and discovered, especially this off season that he is, highly respected as a middle linebacker and as a football player. Harrison Phillips, excellent player, excellent team mate and member and starter, you know, on the Vikings and was a major contributor for us. Taron Johnson, starter for us, important player for us. Saran Neal, important player for us on special teams, no matter what you say. Wyatt Teller was the new Matt Milano, diamond in the rough. We found a star and we let that sweet prince go and we all regret it to this day. Ray Ray McLeod, return man, doing his thing, having a successful career. Austin Prohl, seven out of eight ain't bad. Yeah, Austin Prohl, XFL player, I guess. Is he? This is claim to fame. I think so. He's on the. I think he's on the Battle Hawks with AJ McCarron. Oh, we like the Battle Hawks. Love the Battle mm-hmm. Hawks. So yes, the rest of the draft class is very good as well. But I think in 2023, looking back five years ago, to not only find your franchise quarterback, but to have that quarterback be one of the best quarterbacks in the league and what I assume will only continue to be the case throughout the years to come here uh, due to his phenomenal skill set. Like I said, I have to give this an A just based on that. It is the hardest position to find. 80% of the teams in this league do not have a franchise quarterback and consistently try to find who their face of the franchise will be. So for us to have not only Josh, who's an amazing player, but is really the personification of Buffalo, like you got to think too that that draft class had was it five quarterbacks taken in the first? It was round? so hyped up as like yeah, it was hyped up as like this is this is the next nineteen eighty three. Like everyone's a stud. Yes, it's gonna be crazy. Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Jackson, all go in the first round. Mm-hmm. 
And for us to find the best one out of the bunch, or for him to fall to us, I should say, yeah. very right. serendipitous. Has the third quarterback uh, taken? Right, very serendipitous, very lucky. However you want to put it, but not only is it lucky for us to have him as a player, but lucky for us to have him as a person because Josh Allen is the perfect quarterback for this city, and you couldn't ask for more. So, regardless of all the other picks, which are still very good, Tremaine Edmonds was a solid middle linebacker for five years here. Wasn't a particular fan, but he was solid. He might go down as yeah. one of the most polarizing main figures, players, core players in the Bean regime uh, in terms of people either hating him or loving him. And there doesn't seem to really be any middle ground. Like Harrison Phillips, as you mentioned, solid defensive tackle, continuing that with the Vikings currently. Taron Johnson, still a core piece as the primary nickel cornerback, slot cornerback on this defense. Uh, which is the base package for Sean McDermott and was Leslie Frazier. So very important piece of this defense. Saran Neal, a, if not the best special teams player, in my opinion, on the team. Wyatt Teller, an all-pro bowl guard that we let go, as you mentioned. So uh, very, very good draft class. But due to the fact we got Josh Allen, I have to give it an A just for that alone. He makes everybody on the offensive side of the ball better. And Maybe on the defense side of the ball with sustained drives and extra rest. Who knows? He makes the team better. He makes everybody better. I'm a better person because of Josh Allen. You are better yeah, because we of all Josh are. Allen. Yeah, we are. I we feel yes. better because of we, Josh Allen. The sun rises because of Josh Allen and sets in the evening because of Josh Allen. Yes. It's like a pharaoh. <laughs> yes, he, he is a god. So I think it's easy to say that the best pick of this draft class was Josh Allen. I think we yeah. can agree on that. Who was um, mm-hmm. Who was the worst pick? I mean, it's kind of tough here. Um, I think this is actually very I, easy. Well, it depends on your logic. Do you think it's easily Austin Prohl because he's the only one not successful? No, because he was a seventh round pick, so I didn't expect him to be successful. Right. Um, so I, I did so do that. You think he, it's he wasn't Edmonds? on my radar. No, I think it's Wyatt Teller. Oh, okay. See, because you're saying that in the sense that we, we didn't get our value anymore. out of him. Yes. Right. But I'm saying, see, I, I guess I'm was measuring it in a different way, thinking, oh, no, he's one of the best picks of the draft because look how good he was versus being a fifth round pick. He just wasn't good for us. But he was good for us. They just didn't know how good he would be or great he would be, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, so due to that, I, I think that's he, okay. the worst pick in the draft because they just didn't see his potential. And we've we've run into this a couple of times in, in the Bean regime. Uh, most recently with Isaiah Hodgins, just a very yeah. good player who they just never gave a chance to and couldn't see his potential. And he goes to the Giants on waivers and really helps get that team into the playoffs with his performance at the end of the year. So and, and I guess that's the catch 22 with Bean and McDermott and how they play these rookies is typically they slow play these rookies unless it's in the first two years, the roster is still building. And so. Some players are put in right away because they just don't have a guy at that position or a guy worthy of starting at that position. So a guy like Tredavious White plays right away. Deion Dawkins starts right away. But as we go through the years here, we'll see like they slow play these rookies. Even Josh Allen wasn't ske- wasn't scheduled to start his rookie year. Yeah. It was Nate Peterman's there was a job Nathan and Peterman he lost it in about two and a half minutes. Um, there wasn't a hype. There wasn't a Josh Allen hype video. Yeah, it was Nate Peterman's job in that first week against the Ravens. I remember because I was in Boston watching it in Bill's Backers Bar. 
and it was just two and a half minutes of you're embarrassing yourself. You got to put Josh Allen in. <laughs> and once you put Josh Allen in, there's no churning back, of course. Right. Um, but we've seen this. They typically slow play their rookies and it's a catch 22 because sometimes they don't even see the value or how good these guys can be. And they end up losing them in this draft class alone. Ray Ray's another good example. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's turned into a pretty solid player. I mean, is he a game breaker, but no, he was also a six round pick. So you didn't really expect anything out of him, but he is a very good return guy in a, a solid fifth, sixth receiver. So what more can you ask out of a six round pick, I guess. So, but he just didn't get his shot in Buffalo and didn't get a chance to see the field a lot. And we, we lost him coincidentally. So, I mean, that we'll see that throughout, throughout the years here. That's true. That's, that's the league. That's the nature of it all. The game you play. It's the game you play. Why tell her, uh, I guess just, we, I, we I guess barely just didn't you. see it. We barely knew yeah. he was right. I'm trying to see how now many, like, Bates. ugh, gross. No, I actually like Bates. <laughs> we love Bates. This is like a huge Bates, Bates podcast. We are, we are Bates fans through and through. Mm-hmm. Rick Bates, he's a hero. Yeah, for Buffalo, he played one year. Ray Ray McLeod, that is, not Ryan Bates. And five receptions in 10 games. Uh, since that year, he's had on Pittsburgh and San Francisco, uh, or 73 more receptions. So 78 in his career. So again, just a guy they didn't really give a chance to. Yeah, I mean, other than that, great, great draft class. It really is kind of the jumping off point of the modern day Buffalo Bills, of course, because they found their franchise quarterback. So A's for both of us in that regard. Now, moving on to 2019, Tony, we have Ed Oliver in the first round, Cody Ford Mm -hmm. in the second, third round, we have Devin Motor Singletary, third round, Dawson Knox, fifth round, I'm going to have a moment of silence for this one, Tony, because this one's going to sting a little. Boshan Joseph in the fifth round. Uh, still still hurts. Still punches the game. One, one of the best six, jerseys I have, though. It really is, yes. It was uh, worth it six, for the jersey. Absolutely. If anything, it was worth it for the jersey. Yeah. Uh, sixth round, Jaquan Johnson. And then the seventh round, Daryl Johnson and Tommy Sweeney. What grade would you give the 2019 draft? I'm giving it a B minus. Okay. And I'm being nice. That is nice of you. What a hard fall from grace from the year before. Right. Whereas like we're looking at this class and it's just, you know, nothing really stands out except for, I mean, the best you're getting is players who live up to their round taken, I suppose is what you might say. Whereas like, I think, I think Dawson Knox, I mean, you look at the linebackers or linebackers, you look at the tight ends about the league and you know, it's all over the place where they were drafted. It's not, you know, so like excellent tight ends are in the sixth and mediocre tight ends are in the first and everyone's kind of all yeah. over the place. So like Dawson Knox is like, yeah, I mean, maybe that Dawson Knox is being what you might hope for out of a third round tight end. A lot of guy like that. It's pretty good. But then there's some straight up bust. And then there's some straight up players who are like, yeah, they're decent, but a lot of these players don't really quite match their value. So I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a B minus because it's what a draft sometimes is or what draft picks sometimes are. I don't know. It's, it's not in the C's. Like it's not terrible. It's not like we drafted eight Nathan Peterman's. So it's a B minus. Yeah. I'll, I'll be a little harsher. I'll go wow. with solid C. Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, when you look at the totality of the 2019 draft class, one player 
most likely is going to get a second contract with the Bills. And that was Dawson Knox already getting extended. I wouldn't say like every other player has been a huge disappointment, but kind of every other player has been a huge disappointment (laughs) (laughs) or was a huge disappointment. At Oliver, I, I was pretty hyped when they made that pick. I thought he could be something more than he is, something more than just a guy who flashes occasionally. Mm -hmm. I thought he would just be a menace, just like constantly in the backfield. One of those guys you have to double team or he is going to eat you for lunch. And just, it just hasn't turned out that way, unfortunately. So I think he's, he's an okay player. Is he a top 10 worthy pick at, at this point in time, four years later? Absolutely not. So, you know, that was, that was a huge miss. And then you, Hit Cody Ford in the second, which is maybe an even bigger miss. It probably is an even bigger miss. At least you got draft capital back and trading him. So other than Dawson Knox, has anybody really in this draft class lived up to what we would suspect the impact they make? I, I don't think so. You know, it's a fun fact. I, I was when I was researching this, if I told you Dawson Knox in his career up until this point, which is the same length in career as Devin Singletary, only had four more catches, career receptions than Devin Singletary. Would that surprise you? Yes, it would. I am yeah. shocked by this. Dawson Knox has 149 career receptions to Devin Singletary's 145. That's wild. That's so wild. That is wild. Yeah, it is crazy. I couldn't believe it. I don't know like how, how I should look at it. Like, Should I look at it like Dawson Knox should have more? Or should I look at it like that's a lot more than I thought Devin Singletary would ever have? Yeah, that that that's how I see it. Is is that Devin Singletary is receiving that much? He averages like thirty five catches a year, thirty six catches a year. So, I mean, is it like is there some Dawson Knox injury that I don't remember that Singletary's been more um, reliable? I guess I you would think that, but I I guess in an inverse, uh, Devin Singletary has only played four more games in his career than Dawson Knox has. So okay. It's it's not like a, a huge delta in games played no. where Devin Singletary would jump up. But looking at like Dawson Knox's stats, it's like you're just waiting for him to take that leap and you're hoping he hasn't maxed out. Like the past two years, he's caught 49 and 48 passes for mm-hmm. 587 yards and 517 yards. Like those stats are like for the last two years are oddly like parallel to each other. So you're hoping he hasn't right. hit his ceiling. It's kind of no, but even if he has, we got Kincaid anyway. So, oh, yeah, it's whatever. That guy, million dollar smile there. He does have a million dollar smile. Yeah, I figured it out as we were pondering nicknames in last episode, and we came up with Roadhouse for Dalton Kincaid. I like that. I was trying to like rack my brain on like where like I would hear the name Kincaid, and I kind of pitched this like '90s sitcom thing, and I think I finally came around to what I was thinking is like. Like Dalton, a guy named Dalton Kincaid is the the kid who's always late to class, and the teacher's like Kincaid, late again. <laughs> that I I, I just, do like that idea of like Kincaid. Yeah, that yeah, he does like, have a name for that. Yes, like something like the the Mister Feeney character is like Kincaid. Yeah, like, like he's always Skinner, acting like up in Skinner? class. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, that's what I was kind of like. I was like, I I'm so close. I kind of that that's where I landed on it. Tony, the best pick of this draft, I don't even know. Who, who would you say? Would it be? It, it would have to be Dawson Knox, I think, just because he's the only guy to get a second contract here, right? I agree. I think it's Dawson Knox. Yeah. 
despite being maybe disappointing, maybe not statistically earning that second contract. I disagree. The, I think uh, he is. I mean, he's he's there. Like you think so? It's he, a it's a he plays his role that, in the offense very well. I think he could. Like I don't, I don't fault Dawson Knox for for being misutilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the big question. Is like, is it Dawson Knox has hit his ceiling as a player, or is he just being misutilized by the offensive scheme or the coaching staff? What, what I don't even like. That, that's the question. I don't even like that term misutilized. Like if you everyone plays their role, and if the offense is successful and you're winning, and the offense is scoring, then you're appropriately utilized. Obviously, like. I don't know. I guess I don't measure, and we've had this argument a million times, but like I'm not yeah, measuring. You don't measure utilization. Yeah, yeah. The individual success is like the appropriate utilization of how good they are, like who they are in the league, or 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 anything like that. Dawson Knox is pretty good. He's not like a top tier tight end, but he's he's pretty good, and he's plenty good for us. And you get that out of a third round pick, and like he's decent, and it's fine. So I do have to say. I know. I guess, I guess yeah. I mean, Dawson Knox is the best. Okay. And then Daryl Johnson is almost second best because he's the best dancer on the team. Or he was. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. Currently a free agent. They can bring him back. We need his Oh, my God. Back. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Do that. Do that immediately, Bill. Yeah, bring him back. Bring him back. Bring him back. And also bring back yes, Bring Joseph. him back. I got it. I was kind of thinking, should we go watch Voshan Joseph play one of these days? He currently plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. Oh, that would be fun. I would that love would to go to a Tiger Cats game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a quick that drive. What is time. that, like an hour away? Not even? Uh, prob- probably less from you, I I would guess. But yeah, that would be a good time. Tim Horton Stadium. Yeah. Grab some Timmy Hose. Go watch Voshan. Yeah, they probably have a Tim Horton's location in the stadium. So Tim Ho, Vojo. It, it would have it all. It'd yeah, be a party. It'd be a blast. It would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then isn't, uh, I believe, Steve Tasker's son also plays for the Tiger Cats. Yeah, Luke. Luke Tasker? I think so. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we gotten Voshan Joseph on this podcast? I feel like... That is a good question. I would say Dawson Knox is the best pick in this class. Who? I mean, it has to be Cody Ford as the worst, right? That guy, maybe not even to his own fault, the fault of, again, the coaching staff forcing him to be a tackle when he was probably best suited for guard and kind of bouncing him back and forth. And, and or maybe he just wasn't a good player and that very well could be the case, but I don't think the coaching staff did him any favors by kind of this unsuredness of, are you the starter? We're forcing you to play tackle, but we're going to have you split time with Ty and Seki. And I, I don't know. He, he, I don't think he's a very good player, but I don't think the coaching staff did him any favors either to, get the most success out of him that they could. Of course, he'll always go down as the guy who had the blindside block in the Texans playoff game that year uh, that might have put the nail in the coffin for us in terms of winning that game, although there was many reasons we didn't win that game. But is Cody Ford the worst pick in this, or your least favorite, I should say? Yes. He's the most yeah. deliberate bust. I mean, let's, there's no... Yeah. To, to take some sugar off the coating here. Right. Yes, he is the biggest bust. Definitely not Voshan Joseph. Voshan Joseph was just hit, limited by an unfortunate injury situation that just messed up his just his timeline of being a somebody in this league. And that's the way it shook out. And maybe he'll work his way back out of CFL success. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> uh, moving on, 2020. So we hit the halfway mark here. 
AJ Epinesa in the second round. Of course, some people say our first round pick this year was Stefan Diggs, right? Right. Yeah. Some say so that. I don't know if you want to count that <laughs> into your grading, but second round, AJ Epinesa. Third round, Zach Moss. Fourth, Gabe Davis. Or as some like to say, Gabriel Davis. Mm-hmm. Make it proper. Mm-hmm. Fifth round, Jake Fromm. Sixth round, Tyler Bass and the aforementioned Isaiah Hodgins. Seventh round, Dane Jackson. Tony, your grade for the 2020 draft class. I'm going to give it a B plus. Oh, okay. Some hits, some some diamonds in the rough, some hits, some misses. Yep. But overall, I mean, if you like, if you were to maybe, I don't know, like if you were to scramble the order, it's almost like. Tyler Bass being the second round pick. Yeah. You know, in some ways I want to be like, if I reverse the order. We'd be like, all right, not bad. Um, in the, you know, like right. Dane is Dane is important, has proven himself as pretty all right. Certainly no Tredavious White, but like he's, you know, Dane is capable yeah, and good. Solid. And if if he was to leave, you know, I think that another team would sign him thinking that he would be their starter or compete to be their starter. Isaiah Hodgins, we know, is talented and has his abilities. Um, and they've been on display. Although I think that's kind of like a Robert Foster situation. Tyler Bass, fantastic. Jake Fromm, not so much. Also, piece of shit. <laughs> also, Zach Wilson probably Davis is, dated his mom. Right. Gabe Davis is good. Down year, I don't, but I'm not ready to write him off as like incapable of anything. I'm just thinking, you know, kind of a down year. But I've also seen him do like amazing things. And I've seen him be a star in this league. And I've seen him be interviewed by a lot of national outlets as though he's a star in this league. Zach Moss, I don't know. I don't really care about running backs, especially power running backs. And A.J. Epinesa, contributor, but is not on a trajectory to reach his full potential. A.J. Epinesa is kind of someone I maybe wish we gave the Wyatt Teller treatment to because it's possible that if he was on another team and he had to change the scenery, he would have ended up being like a lot more successful than he's being. But B+, you know, I think only one, yeah, like only one bust. So six out of seven is not bad. And that player being Jake Fromm, you know, that was kind of a risk reward pick anyway. So right. pretty decent. B plus. Yeah. The only thing when looking back at this draft and you see some of the players taken after AJ Epinesa. Yeah. Well, a guy I mean, like, uh, I know we can play the what if game all day, but there, there's one like guy in the second round that just sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's Jeremy Chin. Cause Throughout mm-hmm. that whole offseason, all we talked about was the big nickel. Kyle yep. Duggar, Jeremy Chin being those two mainstay guys. Um, and Jeremy Chin has turned out to be a very good player for the Panthers. So a guy like Jeremy Chin just seemed to be the perfect fit for the Bills at that moment in time. They didn't need a pass rusher, but like it bothered me throughout Bean's regime of them kind of siloing themselves in terms of types of players they like at positions. So for example, mm-hmm. at defensive end, it seemed like they always picked a guy who was less bendy, less speed, less twitchy and more technique, strength, length qualities like that. And it didn't seem to work out as well as they hoped for. Like another guy taken after AJ Epinesa was Josh Usay, who went to the Patriots, who I think had like 14 sacks or something this past year. So, and, and he's much more of like a bendy speed 
kind of passer, a different pass rusher than AJ Epinesa is. So like that's the only reason the AJ Epinesa pick kind of stings. And he's had nine mm-hmm. sacks in his career. He hasn't had a bad career by any means. He's been solid. He's he's had games where and this is kind of the same thing with Dawson Knox is like what's frustrating with some of these guys is like you see the potential. You just wish they could do it on a consistent basis now at Oliver being right. maybe in the same mold. It's like that one game against Miami, was it two years ago where AJ Epinesa had like four sacks and was just unstoppable. And yeah, maybe that was due to the Miami offensive line being not so great, but also he was just a man possessed that game. And you see that and you're just like, well, where's that AJ Epinesa every week? Right. Not even maybe every week. Cause maybe that's obviously tough to duplicate consistently that type of performance, but to be a consistent pass rush threat to be consistently someone the defense has to pay attention to, possibly double team, possibly shift their blocking schemes to accommodate for you. Like that's the AJ Epinesa I want every week. You don't have to get four, three, four sacks every week. You don't have to fill the stat sheet, but be a presence out there every week. And sometimes the majority of the time that is, he just disappears. So I think for your first pick of this draft, quite disappointing uh, three years later here, but you're right. They hit on, and this is, Brandon Bean's really his claim to fame is hitting on these late round picks. He's always been very good at finding, if not really good starters for some reason in the late rounds. I don't know how really good depth players at, at the very least he's, he's found in these later rounds. And this draft was, was no different finding a, a starting kicker who they just signed to an extension, finding Dane Jackson, as you mentioned, who's a very solid cornerback in the seventh round. Isaiah Hodgson turned out to be a very good receiver. We knew for some reason the front office of the Bills did not know this whole time. And Gabe Davis, you're right, for having a down year, is still a very solid number two wide receiver. When you look throughout the league and you look at all the wide receiver twos on each team, not many have 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Like Gabe Davis is a solid number two receiver. I, I think Bills fans are a little spoiled because we had – 2,000 yard receivers back in the day with Eric Moles and Peerless Price. And we're just kind of wishing for that to be replicated because you have Diggs. Mm-hmm. Diggs is consistently 1,400 yards. Like, okay, give me a guy opposite Diggs. If Diggs is this consistent threat who's commanding double teams and another guy should be able to to step up and, and produce 1,000 yards, especially in a high prolific passing offense such as the build run. Gay Davis is kind of like my Tremaine Evans on offense. He's solid. Is he great? No. Can he be great? Yes. Tremaine, unfortunately, never reached that level. We'll see if Gabe Davis had a can this year because he has a contract extension coming up. I would give this draft a B minus. Like I, I think you put it perfectly. If this was in reverse, I'd like it a lot better. Yeah. But it is what but it is. It was, so. I think B minus is B minus is critical. I'm very surprised to hear this. A B minus. Yeah, if you so B minus. I don't know. I mean, imagine yourself hanging out in at Ohio State. The grades are released. They come in. You see B minus on the paper. That's the feeling you get when you see this list. Depends what class. If I'm getting a B minus in physiology, then I'm I'm thrilled. If I'm getting a B minus in okay sports management, then or history of rock and roll, then I'm then I'm not too too satisfied with it. Well, all right then. I guess it's true. <laughs> we should be. And and I think drafting is one of the harder classes. Yeah. Drafting I think so. NFL drafting is molecular biology here. So yeah, all right. True. 
best pick. I'm between two here. I think it's Dane. Oh, really? I was going to say Tyler Bass. Ra- seventh rounder. Uh, yeah, I was going to. Tyler Bass is like my my one A in that one. I, he was an excellent yeah. pick, but I, I gave it to I give it to Dane because we said it's value versus position, and I'm like, well, no one's doing a Sebastian Janikowski anymore here. Like we're <laughs> like a fifth round pick for a fifth round pick on a kicker like is a good position to be chosen for a kicker. So he should be good. But a seventh yeah. round pick, a seventh round cornerback, well, probably shouldn't be good. But Dane's all right. Dane's pretty good. Yeah, no, th- that's my one A and B as well. Um, so uh, worst pick, I don't know. I would say Jake Fromm, but I never expected anything from Jake Fromm, so I I can't say that. I um, guess it has I to did. be Zach I Moss. He would be better than he was. I mean, I didn't think he was anything special in college. So like all his deficiencies, weak arm, slow processing, not the most athletic quarterback, and it just screamed white, like not white privilege. In NFL <laughs> white privilege. The other qualities don't scream out a quarterback. So I just didn't think he'd be good. I, I guess I got to go with Zach Moss. Like I was super excited for the Zach Moss pick. I was very excited to see what he could be paired up with Devin Singletary. And when you look back mm-hmm. at like season highlights of the Bills and specifically Zach Moss's two years here, there's quite a bit of Zach Moss highlights, like a, more than you think amount of Zach Moss highlights. I don't know if it was just like, flashes in the pan and when he made a play it was a very exciting play and or maybe came at an important time in the game or something he's in those highlight packages more than you'd think so i i was really pumped when we got him because i didn't think we would get him in the third round i thought he was you know a second round talent i didn't think he'd be there so i i really liked it i loved him in college the way he ran and he just never really became anything so i think zach moss is my Least favorite, most disappointing, however you want to qualify it. Well, I give it to Fromm, and I give it to Fromm based on this notion that Brandon Bean has a really good track record in the fifth round. Um, yep. As we have discussed in the likes of Matt he Milano does. and uh, Wyatt Teller and He Wolf. So, based on that, it makes one wonder man, had you not like swung for the fences on Jake Fromm? What might have been? Yeah. What fifth round gem could we have gotten at another position? We'll never know. Right. Never know. <laughs> uh, I'll give it to Brahma on that one. That's a good pick. Uh, moving to 2021, we go defensive end again for the first two rounds here in Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham. Third round, Spencer Brown. Fifth round, Tommy Doyle. So back to back DNs, back to back tackles. He's double dipping the chip. Uh, sixth round, Marquez Stevenson, Demar Hamlin, and Rashad Wild Goose, and seventh round, Jack Anderson. Tony, grade for this 2021 Bills draft class. I'm giving it a C plus. Yeah, I think it's fair. Am I? I think I am. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give yeah. it a C plus. Some saving graces here. Maybe Spencer Brown. Maybe Gregory mm, Rousseau. Maybe this is also maybe. like we're kind of yeah. This is also like we're kind of you know, getting into recent history here. So it's tough to tell, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm surprised Tommy Doyle was a fifth round pick. Like I don't picture him as a fifth round pick. I picture him as kind of like a seventh round pick. Marcus Stevenson, we've said many times, we don't really think he's that fast. Demar right. Hamlin, you know, big heart, but he's only okay as a safety pun intended, big heart to a fault. 
Wild Goose. I'll tell you what, DeMar Hamlin as a six-round pick might not be good, but DeMar Hamlin's body double as a six-round pick, oh, that's yeah. a good pick. You know, really, that's probably the highest value because we got two people. Right. In the end. Yes. It's, we like a free, it it's like a free player. Yeah. Yeah, we got to think of it that way. So Wild Goose, I don't know, decent depth guy, I think, on the Jets now. You know, we didn't really get our value out of him. Jack Anderson, nothing irrelevant. Boogie Basham. I like Boogie Basham. I have some faith in Boogie Basham, but he's probably going to end up being remembered as a bust. So what are we even looking at here? What were right. the, that weekend in April when these picks were made? I don't know. Did we even get better? I don't think so. This this draft is not great looking at it. Brighter Rousseau, I mean, this is the year you hope yeah. like he becomes the double-digit sack guy as he was in He college. was really like, good when Bond a- was playing, though. If we think of it that well, yeah, way. So, so was the whole defensive line. Well, that still matters. I mean, that's how we will remember them. Assuming yeah, Von... Von's not playing, I need everyone else to to be good. I, obviously, when you lose a player of Von's caliber, the quality and the production is going to go down. I didn't think it'd go down to like worse than the league. That's where I need a, a change. Since Von most likely will start the season on the pup list, I need other guys to to raise their level of play. So I fully expect whether Vaughn is his running mate or not, this is the year Gregory Rousseau needs to have double-digit sacks. Or I'm going to start to worry that we're going to put the B label on him, the B-U-S-T label. I'm not a fan of Boogie Basham, as you know, as listeners know. I wasn't really a fan of him in college. Like I think there's something to be said about having or being a guy with a high motor as your best quality. And that's something to say is you're not going to be a good player in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Give me guys who have higher value qualities, better bend, better twitch off the snap, like having a high motor, never give up attitude. Great. Guess who else has that? 90% of NFL players. It's not worthy of a second round pick. Sorry. Plus they put him on the AJ Epinesa weight loss program and i don't know that probably is not comfortable to him and change his game uh spencer brown spencer brown's a tough one i i like everything from the neck down like i think head wise brain mental capacity like i don't know if spencer brown is what we're looking for as a starting right tackle um coming in last offseason out of shape injured didn't seem ready for the season really irked me and uh, still not over it. I'm hoping he turns it around and kind of has a Devin Singletary like, whoa, this is my last chance. Because he was mm-hmm. not good last year. PFF grade show mm-hmm. he was not good last year. And for a guy that has the gifts that he has in terms of athleticism, he should be better. Uh, Tommy Doyle has done nothing. Marco Stevenson will be classified in the Christian Wade wet dream of Bill's fans of like what this player could be, <laughs> even though... In reality, they're not a good player. DeMar Hamlin, I think, is solid, but unfortunately, health conditions and other stuff are playing a factor now and for probably the future of his career. So so we'll see. I hope he it would be an amazing story. He comes back and is a contributing factor on this defense and has a uh, a long NFL career. It'd be, a, it'd be amazing. But he definitely has his faults when he was playing. His coverage ability is, is not very good. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose will always be one of my top five favorite bills ever. So I can't fault. This is a great pick. 
It always will be a great pick, okay. whether he's on the Bills or whether he's selling insurance in his hometown. I don't care. Best pick the Bills could have made, just for the name alone. And Jack Anderson, I don't know who you are, and I don't care to know who you are, and probably never will know who you are. So, yeah, this draft class is not good, Tony. I I give it an RC mine. I, I don't like yeah. that at all. I think you're going to get maybe, maybe two quality players out of this draft, out of the eight picks you've had. That's not very good. That's not a good hit rate. No, you definitely want more out of draft class. It's amazing that we're still good when we have <laughs> when we had such a bad bad class. Like yeah. that can really set a team back, you know. But well, like I said, when you hit on the franchise quarterback, you're right. you're always in you're always in contention. <laughs> best and worst pick of this draft class. Who you got? The best pick. I'm gonna say by default, Rousseau. I think. Okay. Uh, I still have faith in Rousseau. I think he's think he's all right. Uh, I think he can be pretty good, and I still am betting on him being pretty good. And I think that that is kind of a lot of that is up to Von Miller and that whole situation, both him as you know a leadership slash mentor, but also you know taking the pressure off of of Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Worst pick, I guess I'll give it to Boogie because I like Boogie. I've always really liked Boogie, but I think he's going to end up being a bust. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you need more out of his my, second rounders. Yeah, you do. Uh, the Bills have a very bad history of second round picks. It's it's really astonishing how little they hit on second round picks. I'd say the best pick in this class, probably for the same reasons of I'm just betting on this guy to be good, and I still have faith that he can be good because of his physical ability, uh, is Spencer Brown. I think that's if you can get a starting right tackle in the third round, I think that's that's solid value. So Spencer Brown's probably the best pick to me of this draft or Rashad Wild Goose, just name alone. Worst pick, I have to go with his offensive line draft running mate, Tommy Doyle. Guy's done absolutely nothing. I mean, oh. when you're when you're an offensive lineman and your most memorable moment is a big guy touchdown in a playoff game that was a blowout. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really seen anything on Tommy Doyle to other than the using the catchphrase O'Doyle rules, which is now lexicon for the Bills. So that that's great. Mm-hmm. But I need to see something as a player. So All uh, right. That's Tony fair. Art. I think Tommy Doyle is a fifth round pick, but I also think played by injury in his whole career. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, maybe. and maybe that does maybe that does play into your his grade yeah. in hindsight. Like maybe that is a piece of it. Yeah. It definitely it should is. be. <laughs> uh Tony, our final and uh I guess most recent other than twenty twenty three, but draft class, twenty twenty two draft class. Which, as we get closer to the present, it's tougher to grade these draft classes because we haven't seen fully what they'll become or have become. Uh, so 2022, of course, first round, Kyer Elam. Second round, James Cook. Third round, Terrell Bernard. Fifth round, he will clue Shakir. Uh, sixth round, the punter who shall not be named, mm-hmm. as well as Christian Bedford. Ha, ha, ha. Luke Tenuta in the seventh round. Linebacker Balen Specter. Tony, grade for the 2022 draft class here in. Uh, I'm giving it a B. I'm giving it a B plus. Okay. Hard to say because we don't know, but you know we're only basing it on rookie years. But I think Kyrie Elam turned it on at the end and might shape up. I think James Cook is going to shape up. I think Terrell Bernard is a future bust. I think Khalil Shakir is a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> the punter was going to be all right. Yeah, it was going to be good. Diamond in, Diamond in the rough. Luke Tenuta, I mean, he was drafted at 209 and he was, you know, had his place. 
Bale Spector made the team at 231 as a good special teamer. So, like, plus Luke Tenuta, like, another team picked him up. So it's not like he's out there. Like, yeah, he's he's going to have a career. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too many complaints or any complaints that are like glaring bright complaints about about this class. I think that uh, these people contributed. They will continue to contribute. They will continue to get better. And I think that by the end of this year, we'll be saying about this class, if, if we were to regrade it with another year of, of supporting evidence behind us, I think that we would end up being pretty impressed. Yeah. Even more impressed than, than we already are. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, I think some some of these players that we think of are are okay and that we're hopeful about are really going to show up. Yeah, I I kind of get that. And maybe I'm for the rare occasion being an optimistic Bills fan here, but I, I kind of agree with you. Like when you look back at all the draft classes of Brandon Bean's regime here and look at their year two from year one to year two, and you look back at it as a fan, like this is the draft class I feel like has the most potential to make a huge leap from year one to year two. And maybe yeah. that's due to the Fair. fact that not a lot of them played last year or played truly significant minutes. And now they will be, but there just seems to be a lot of potential there. Like when these guys did play minus Terrell Bernard, who actually didn't play, but when these guys who did right. play played, you saw the, that potential come through pretty clearly. So I expect a lot of these guys, James Cook, Kyrie Elam, he Wolf, even got even a guy like Balen Spector, who I think in the preseason he flashed a little. And if he could put in a good offseason workout and schematically learn the defensive playbook, and he's got tools to to be someone. So I'm kind of excited to see what this draft class does this year. And maybe it's just the me being naive in the fact that we didn't see a lot of them last year and there's only one way to go from there and it's up or maybe i just think they're they're good players who can make an impact on this team uh Mm -hmm. in a significant role so uh, i'm excited to see what we have i i do also give this draft class just probably based on pure potential alone a b plus as well i think that's a very fair grade yeah i'm i'm excited to see what james cook ends up being like when it's his show with a good like support system in that room of of some vets who have been successful in their own ways. I'm, I'm excited to yeah. see what James Cook is doing. And I'm excited to see what Dalvin Cook is going to do too, after we trade for him and have the two brothers on the team. <laughs> and then we trade for Stefan Diggs brother. Yeah. Oh, I would love and that. We get a team of brothers. It's a real band of brothers here in Buffalo, the Buffalo band of I brothers, mean, the Buffalo brother, buy yep. a t-shirt in the t-shirt store, the Buffalo brothers. What are your thoughts on Kyrie? Do you think like it's guaranteed he's the starter opposite Trey white this year? And he will well, remain the starter. I'll say no. No and no. I don't think that's a guarantee. I think that the only factor is, you know, Kyrie Lim could end up having a bad camp. Christian Benford maybe is really good at training camp and ends up having like a good camp. And then all of a sudden, what you have here is another big opportunity for Benford to unseat to unseat Elam. But I think that's not going to happen. I mean, I think what's I don't think it's a guarantee, but my prediction would be. Elam will continue on with the progress that he made last year and things will pan out as we predicted that Elam will be continuing on towards his higher ceiling than Benford. If Benford beats out Elam, hypothetically. Yeah. What does that mean for Kyrie? Do you think they trade him at that point? No, I don't. 
I don't think you trade him. Well, I don't know. It. I think it really depends on the situation. Is this a situation where he's like being a healthy scratch or is he just like a good depth piece and we have two good second year cornerbacks? If it's we have two good second year cornerbacks and Benford is just better, then I don't think we trade him. But if he's if Elam's getting like healthy scratched over here, then yeah, you should trade him. Or do you, I guess, maybe move on from Tredavious White, possibly? I don't no, know. Because like after, af- after this year, his dead cap hit is not really that significant. It's like six million. Mm. Well, we're not doing that. So it's a moot point. <laughs> I just think if like he doesn't, if Elam doesn't beat out Ben for this year, like, He'll never beat out Benford. It's two years in a row now. That's kind of what I think out. too. Yeah. So, is there really any point of keeping him on the team? I mean, it's huge egg on your face if you trade him after for the second year. But it's like mm-hmm. he's going to keep him in out of spite or you know out of to pride. You know, for yeah, out of pride for your own ego. Like I don't yeah. know. It's it's just it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this this offseason. That, that's one of the things I'll be looking at closely is is the progress of Kyrie Elam. He is the shoe-in for the starting cornerback position out opposite to Trey White or Bedford beats him out this year. Again, could be could be an interesting uh little little camp story there. I mean in those situations I still want to go in with the mentality of like we have to give ourselves the best chance to win the Super Bowl while the window is somewhat open. So load up your depth. Like load up d- spoil yourself so that you give yourself the best chance to do that. You know, so yeah. keep them, keep them both. That's a good point. Tony, when you say we wrap it up though, I would love to thank you to our sponsors. Always traveling growler, www.travelinggrowler.com quality koozie start at just $5 shop local support, local traveling growler.com podcast store, T E E spring.com search. Waiting not funny. Go on the old googly search. Waiting not funny. All one word T spring T E spring hit the enter key or the search button, click on that search button for the first result. Check out the store. Awesome designs, cool designs, sabers and bills, all original, all sizes, all colors. Support the podcast. Get a t-shirt today. TEEspring.com. Search waiting not funny. All one word. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts or listen to for free. Only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a review. Check us out. You can find us searching Built in Buffalo. Search Way Not Funny. Subscribe. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it and truly do mean that. Uh, Twitter handles. Tony, you back on Twitter? Uh, Technically, yes. At Tony Ambrose is where you can uh, find me. And I recently got a lot of new followers from some bots. Oh, wow. Are they putting you in crypto groups like they're putting me in? Uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. You have fun with She's those probably trying to, you know, size me up for the eventual takeover sort of, of Skynet. Well, yeah, say for some sort of foreign, uh, I don't know what you would call espionage. it, motivation, I guess. Yeah, espionage <laughs> or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> you can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716 on Twitter, Instagram, Woody Not Funny Sports, Facebook, TikTok. Give us a follow. We love following back. Love connecting with Buffalo Sports community out there savers bills bills mafia saber swords people uh send out for the listeners tony what do you got uh well matt we are recording this on thursday evening of may 4th and uh so i have to send a message 
to my brothers and sisters and otherwise uh, who have had or are having, nope, who have had or are having uh, their college experience on the shores of Old Lake Erie. To all of you Blue Devils out there, happy Fred Fest. Oh, Fred Fest. Oh, forgot about Fred Fest. Mm. Me too, but not for, but it was more chemically. I've forgotten about it. No, no, we get it. We get it. Yeah, you get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. As I always say, stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. Peace. Bye. Bye. Happy Fred Fest. Well, Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.